Welcome to the Edition Wars podcast, where we discuss RPG ideas, compare rules, establish sacred cows, fight about what's best, and generally geek out over our favorite games. I'm Sam Dillon. I'm Brandis Stoddard. In this episode, we're talking about ability scores. Look, mate. Three generations ago, my ancestors forged the Great Blade Skull Splitter. With it, they won the Goblin Wars, the Hobgoblin Wars, the Orc Wars, the Demon Wars, the Elf Wars, and the Gelatinous Cube Wars. And that one doesn't even make sense, because they don't have skulls. Now, all these years later, the legend of the Great Skull Splitter grows. Offering dice to help you create your own legends, Skull Splitter Dice makes the highest quality dice beautiful dice of both plastic and metal. Want to roll bones that look like bones? Or just something with enough heft to split the skulls of your enemies? Skull Splitter Dice has that and more. Check them out now at SkullSplitterDice.com slash Tomeshow and use the coupon code Tomeshow with all little letters and get 15% off. Now get out there, split some skulls, and build some legends. So that pretty much brings us up to third. Um, And by any standard, third is a revolution. But by just any standard with what's going on in its ability scores, third edition is a revolution. Um, You still have the same six ability scores, but what they mean and what they do and how they affect play just completely changes. Um, Because now you have all of the tables fixed to the same bonus scheme. Um, So a, a, uh, let me see, find that table. So if you somehow have a one in ability score, presumably because you've taken damage to the ability score, by the way, taking damage from a buddy score is now a pretty standard thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, you have a minus five modifier, um, and then every even number above that, your modifier improves by one. Uh, so 10 and 11 is a zero modifier, um, and it just increases indefinitely above that. Uh, every even numbered point, it improves by one. Um, and it, it was certainly people um, made a lot of hay out of the fact that in third ed, you know, you can you can have things with a strength of fifty or sixty or a hundred, and while that will toss all of your sort of um, accuracy bounds right out the window because it's got a plus fifty to hit. Of course, it's your twenty AC. Thanks for coming, right? Um, uh, as long as you understand that that's going to be the case, um, mm-hmm. it still is a thing. It kind of works. Um, I think that um, for the most part, uh, people recognize that things get a little strange at a certain point in um, in in third ed with very large scores, but. Um, you know, that's that's just part of the game. Um, mm-hmm. So, so right. The, the names of the ability scores haven't changed. Uh, second Ed did change the order they're presented in uh, to the the actual correct order, as I know it. 
strength dex con in Wiz Charisma, uh, as as obviously sh- it should be. That's just how it's supposed to be. That's what I grew up with. I mean, obviously. <laughs> um, but um, I remember I was talking to someone on Twitter several years ago, and they said something about oh blah blah blah, you know, here's your here's your scores in order or something. And I said, well, which order? And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, they said, obviously the order in D and D. And I was like, well, yeah, but which one? And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, basic, yeah, basic D and D went like this, you know, and I listed off the, you know, as, as per the basic D and D and they were just blown away. What do you mean? I had no idea (laughs) that the statistics were in different orders. (laughs) So when they would put a string of numbers, you know, depending on which edition, it might be something different. (laughs) Yep. Um, so with well, what goes on with the ability scores here, again, the way the impact skills matters a ton. Um, but you then have um, the effects that uh, these ability scores are going to have on spellcasters, which is enormous. Um, so um, f- if your spellcasting stat is 12 or higher, you're getting additional spell slots. Um now you've got to have a uh, a spellcasting score of twenty eight or better to get an extra ninth level slot, but it's possible, um, and that could progress as high as you want. Um, your uh, spellcasting ability score also um, uh, governs DC, I believe. Uh, it's your, what is your mm-hmm. spellcasting ability score plus? It was score modifier, sorry, uh, plus the level of the spell for the DC. Yep. Um, right. And um, so uh, you also have uh, your have 10 plus the spell level as the minimum to ever cast that spell. So you have to have at least 19 intelligence to cast a ninth level spell. Uh, I believe even in... Uh, in third, I don't have uh, my third player's handbook open um, right now. So, <laughs> yep, the minimum intelligence uh, to cast a wizard spell is ten plus the spell's level, right? Um, and um, here also, intelligence grants extra skill points. Uh, that's a big, big deal. Um, and there's a, a standardized way to apply decks to your uh, melee attack bonus. Uh, for some weapons through the weapon finesse feat, um, so that's uh, that's the first really big uh, improvement to dexterity as a as a conceptual score. Like it, its numbers are doing better things, but also it's allowed to do more things, and this is going to be a major sort of turning point for what we see in um, in fifth edition. Um, so, um, so because the ability scores don't have a practical upper bound, and because you gain ability score points as part of your level progression, um, there's just a, a constant race and pressure to get your ability scores as high as you possibly can. That's, that's sensible, right, on its face, that you want that ability score to go as high as possible. Your fighter should be as strong as possible. Yes, obviously. <laughs> well, 
this has a lot of knock-on effects um, because there are magic items that improve all of these ability scores. Uh, you've got your Gauntlets of Ogre Power and your Girdle of Giant Strength and your uh, Gloves of Dexterity and your uh, Amulet of Health and so on. Um, and so these come in um, plus two, plus four, plus six uh, grades. And um, this contributes to what later design is going to call the Christmas tree effect, uh, <laughs> where you're going to be decked out in you know, a magic item for every slot because you're trying to get your ability scores uh, boosted, right? Right. Um, everyone wants constitution because everyone needs the survivability of mm-hmm. a good con score and so on. Um, and um, those magic items existed under a different function, but the same name in uh, first and second. Uh, in those editions, they uh, change your ability score to a set number. Uh, right, right. And if it was already at that number, that number, then it, is it didn't help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, in other words, you couldn't and, stack that, right? Right. There's, just, there's no stacking that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but there aren't a lot of other ways to get a 19. Right. Um, it's it's tough to do. Um, and so uh, this is going to be the only edition. I mean, recognizing 3.0 and 3.5 as one edition for a moment mm-hmm. um, that. I, I hear the voices of a thousand people screaming. <laughs> right. We all know what I mean, guys. Yes. Uh, and I'm not trying to cover uh, Pathfinder here uh, because I'm not up on Pathfinder to speak of and because this isn't mostly mm-hmm. a Pathfinder show. Right. Um, I, so, I, don't know, so right. I don't know the nuances of Pathfinder enough to speak to it. Um, intelligently other than the blanket statement about uh, lots of things are very similar, <laughs> you know? Right, um, yes. So I don't, I, it's, I mean, it's not that I don't care about it or don't like it or, or whatnot. I just don't know it well enough to actually have that as part of the conversation coming from me. So. Right. Um, I occasionally go back and teach myself things about mm-hmm. uh, Pathfinder because they're helpful for my history of the classes series, but um I mostly don't follow right. it. Um, and so um, ability score damage and ability score drain are also um, types of things that can happen to you from spells and monster attacks and so on. Um, and so this creates a real headache at the table because you've got to sit down and recalculate all of your stuff. Um, and also maybe you are running a spell that gives you another uh, D4 plus one or flat D4 or whatever to an ability score. Um, uh, the other big effect of these ability scores is they are prerequisites for feats. So you've got to have a 13 strength to buy power attack and so on. Uh, you've got to have, I want to say 13 decks to buy weapon finesse in addition to the plus one base attack. Um, so, so yeah, they they really wanted to make ability scores a much more essential part of play, uh, while at the same time, um, what you care about is your bonus, your you know, 
admittedly very unlikely minus five to plus whatever. Um, and so the, the raw number, the actual ability score number starts to fade in direct relevance, except as a free prereq. Um, Um, I mean, it's it, it does it having all of the bonuses and penalties be the same. Uh, how do I say this? Because the thing is, they they were the same in basic D and D too, but they addressed such different things, and all the systems weren't unified. You know, that's part of the reason I mentioned that thing about, well, sometimes you roll a d6 to see if you hear a noise or, you know, find a secret door. And sometimes you roll a d20 to do something. Um, Because those things aren't unified, when you have these tables of information related to the statistics, uh, to the attributes, they all seem like they're different things. They're their own sort of little pocket of the game. But when you get to third edition and you unify everything under a single d20 mechanic... What happens is now everything is works the same, and that has some amazing benefits. But also what it did was, because now those attribute bonuses are all on the same scales, it made everything – it doesn't matter what the attribute score actually is anymore. It only matters what the bonus is. Exactly. Exactly. And that – is a bit of a simplification that also could be a huge benefit, but having six attributes and having those attributes be strength, intelligence, wisdom, dexterity, constitution, and charisma is such an invested part of the game that they couldn't remove it from the game and just say, oh, well, now we're just going to score. We're just going to, you're, you know, you're rolling these dice, yes, but then you're only writing down your attribute bonus, not your score. Like that bonus now becomes the score. They couldn't do that because it would take away an integral part of the game that, that made it what it is. Uh, Right. Uh, Absolutely. And I mean, people are attached to those numbers as a matter of tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to lie; I still kind of like them myself. Yeah. Well, you know, the, it's it, it, you know? it's also um it it all it, it's also much more um, impactful to say, oh, my wisdom is an 18, than it is my wisdom is a plus three. Uh, pl- sure. You know what I mean? I I agree with you, but uh, we would get used to that if everyone mm-hmm. sort of made that oh, change. Sure. Like uh, a plus five is really good. Yes, it's really good. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Like, right? Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess. I guess my point is, fate players get used to sure. it. Oh yeah, and yeah. the the fate the fate skill stack is a range. Yeah, of, yeah. yeah. Uh, usually mm-hmm. one to about five. Right. So whatever. Yeah. No, I and and I'm not I'm not putting a value judgment on it in terms of one's better than the other. I'm just saying that that's one of those pieces that seems to be so ingrained in Dungeons and Dragons that look, this is the sacred cow that you promised to kill and, or this desecrate. is the one I'm desecrating. <laughs> right. And, but it is now a profane. I, cow. I wasn't going to make it profane until fifth edition though, because fifth edition where we're skipping way over fourth, but fifth edition is really the first edition where on the character sheet, it invites you 
to highlight the bonus more than you highlight the attribute value. That is certainly a way that some people fill out their character sheets. Well, and I think that's and I think that's good. And for them. in D in D and D Beyond, you actually have a choice whether oh, you cool. highlight the attribute score or the bonus. Like which one becomes the bigger piece of you know shown. So yeah, I need to go mess around in D yeah, Beyond more. I think it's D uh, Beyond. Still haven't sort of done that. Let me make sure I'm not lying, because <laughs> it might be the roll twenty character sheet app. Um, in any case, there is, uh, you know, not, you know, and by no means am I saying that everybody who plays D and D uses D and D beyond or uses the roll 20 app or whatever, but it's enough of a thing. It's a, it's enough of a noticed phenomena phenomenon that, it, <laughs> uh, that it be, that it is part of some systems now that they allow you to present it in whichever way you choose. That's I think that's pretty great. I am all for customizable sure, UI. Absolutely. Me too. In any case, I got us off on the sacred cow rambling. <laughs> so um, um so I think that is sort of the bulk of Oh, third wait. Ed conversation. Yes, it is. It is D Beyond. It asks you right on the first page when you start making a character if you want your ability score modifier to be on top as the bigger number, or the score itself to be on top of the bigger number. So, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, like it, it sort of it does the thing it does. You get to um, improve uh, two different ability scores by one. Uh, at every fourth level, so four, eight, twelve, mm-hmm. sixteen, twenty. So you you've got, um, or is, is it is it one score to anyway? You, you improve some scores. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm not looking it up right now. Um, and so it becomes so important to chase those really high scores um, for for everyone, but most especially, I would say for spellcasters, um, the. The one other big shift is that um, Charisma starts doing a lot more stuff because there are now spellcasting classes that have it as their spellcasting mm-hmm. ability because sorcerers come along and bards shift over to treating Charisma as an actual casting stat. And uh, Paladins now have a use for their really high Charisma because it's what their uh, lay on hands and uh, divine smite features come from, or mm-hmm. sorry, smite evil, smite evil features come from, um, and so they they really really pushed to make you at least kind of want every ability score. Um, oh, and the other reason is that with ability score damage and ability score, score drain on the table as monster attacks. Falling to a zero ability score means you are mm-hmm. screwed. Uh, for five of the six ability scores, it just means you're incapacitated. For constitution, you dead. Yeah. Uh, if your if your constitution damage or drain ever puts you on zero, um, and the difference between damage and drain is how difficult it is to recover it. Um, and while I'm just listing horrible things <laughs> monsters can do to you 
the epic level handbook eventually sells us uh, i think ability score burn which can't be recovered through any means whatsoever because definitely when i've gotten a character <laughs> to 30th level i want right. them to stop being sure. playable after this fight mm-hmm. that would be super good and uh, without warning <laughs> right yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't don't fail this mm-hmm. this uh, saving throw or you will stop playing the character yeah uh, no res for you because it's just sorry you have no strength anymore um, so so right I think that is uh, pretty much the story on third and that lets us jump into fourth sure ready, let's do it alright um, so in fourth uh, they change the uh, sacred order of ability scores <laughs> no, I don't know, man. It's not right. Um, again, again, it's not right. Um, because well, I mean, they changed uh, them again. Third edition changed right. them. <laughs> well, second edition changed them. Ch- changed uh, right, the second changed them, uh, and then and then fourth. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's much to say. There is there's a there's a formatting thing that fourth edition did that I liked in their player's handbook. And it is this. Uh right at the beginning of the player's handbook that gets to the ability score. It's talking about creating character. Gets to the ability scores. And it says, for example, uh, strength measures your character's physical power. It's important for most characters who fight hand-to-hand. But then it gives four bullet points and it tells you details like melee basic attacks are based on strength. So it tells you the sort of overall idea of what it's for and then it gives you a bullet point that tells you exactly the mechanical thing that is going to be affected. Then it tells you clerics, fighters, rangers, paladins, and warlords have powers that are based on strength. Your strength could contribute to your fortitude defense. Your strength is the key ability for athletic skill checks. Then it goes on to constitution and it tells you about it and then it gives you five bullet points of exactly what it affects during the game then dexterity same thing five bullet points and then into so in other words rather than having these long drawn out you know descriptions of what's going on it gives you a one sentence description right constitution says it represents your character's health stamina and vital force and then it gives you bullet points about specific mechanical items that's a formatting change that I think focuses on here's why this ability is important in a way that the other editions didn't immediately do because even third edition had like descriptive text all around it. Right. And of course I know this, I, 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 I already know this is uh, um, paradoxical for me to say this because the very first thing we started this with was me saying, well, look, the OD and D book didn't even tell you what the word meant. <laughs> but by now, right, in 2008, we had already had 30-something years of D&D lore sort of in the community. And even a new player could read a single-sentence definition and then bullet points and start to understand what was happening. Yep. So uh, interesting format change that was very good. They kept the ability modifiers all having, regardless of a bit which stat it was, the modifiers were all the same based on the score itself. 
For sure. In other words, uh, if your intelligence was 10 to 11, it's a plus zero ability modifier. If your charisma is a 10 to 11, it's a plus zero modifier. It doesn't matter what the ability was. Anything 10 to 11 is a plus zero. Anything 14, 15 is a plus two, which is similar to you know third edition. So one of the interesting things here is that um, you get the better of two scores to determine uh, various defenses. So if you're mm-hmm. in light armor or uh, if you wear light armor, your intelligence or your dexterity might determine your armor class modifier. Right. And this is a huge deal. Um, and and remember that 4th edition had three other defenses that were attacked, right. not just armor class, but fortitude, reflex, will. Those also had, uh, you know, for example, reflex was uh, whichever one's higher, dexterity, intelligence. Will was whichever one's higher, wisdom or charisma. Right. Fortitude was whichever one's higher, strength or con. And so if your constitution was higher, you use that for your fort defense instead of strength, which uh, makes sense in a way. Sure. Uh, well, as compared to the, the feats that came out late in third ed that let you switch which ability score was going to mm-hmm. apply to your um, fort reflex or will defense. Yeah, it makes sense. Good. Right. Let's do it. <laughs> um, it's better than it makes sense a feat, to man. just make it a thing. Yeah, yes. it's better than the feet tax for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so you also see constitution creep in as a casting stat for some warlocks. Um, that's a that's a weird design flaw in the warlock class that looked really really good initially, but didn't play well in the long term. Um, and it's a shame because I really liked it. Um, it strikes me as a reach because Constitution basically did nothing else. Uh, yeah, like I really like it way. because it's. It, yeah. it, I think it's a blood sacrifice theme there that mm-hmm. I'm really into. Right. It's just yeah. splitting a class between two stats doesn't wind up working well in fourth. Uh, it's right. a problem for clerics and paladins also, um, because. You know, you have to decide which one is going to be your better stat, and then because accuracy is such a king in fourth ed, mm-hmm. you just ignore the ones that ignore the powers in your class that don't use that stat. It's just right. so hard. Again, this is if you care about optimizing. We've talked about this before. If you sure. don't care about optimizing, like doesn't matter. Yeah. Go with God, my child. But right, you know. <laughs> Fourth Ed is going to be a tough addition for you. Um, well, I, I, it depends on your table. It does. It does. Uh, it might also depend on your monster manual because you need to optimize a lot more for some of those later monster manuals. Monster manual one, you're doing okay. Yeah, you'll live probably. Um, Maybe. Um, no, you're right. Uh, so but it, it, it does also depend on the, the players. So. So we haven't ever talked about how ability scores are generated edition over edition. And at this point, it may need to be a whole separate, um, like, short episode. Um, But there is a neat thing here with sort of a safety net of ability scores for uh, alternate sample arrays um, that is unique to fourth edition. Um, There's this big table of you know, possible ability score spreads. And uh, that's something that I have brought into my own campaign. Um, so we roll ability scores with 
46 dropped the lowest as as I think become the most common uh, random generation method. Mm-hmm. But then also uh, the player rolls 2d6 and we look up the result on a table that generates an array. That array right. is not as good as a good uh, 46 outcome, but it's a, a slight better than some of the bad outcomes. So I'd say about half the characters in the campaign wind up using their safety net. So mm-hmm. that's something that more people should do if they are randomly generating. It also is a way to allow for a point by esque character creation yep. where somebody doesn't have to do a bunch of math, right? Like when we get to fifth edition, they offer the point by the point by version, but they don't give you a table of standard arrays. They just give you, oh, well, you have 27 points and here's what it costs to add a point. And then it's a whole, you know, and some people like that. I'm not, I'm not dogging on it. It, it is a thing and it, it's useful to a lot, a lot of people, but some people don't want to have to do the math. So they end up just rolling. Right. Uh, right. And, and the, the array, I think, allowed for a different kind of choice in a way. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, I think it's pretty fair. And that's why I use, um, an array, um, a, a, a randomized array as my safety net mm-hmm. style. Um, right. Point by in one form or other has been with us for editions over editions. And I have a whole oh, set sure. of feelings about that, that probably do need to be their own episode. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think we could uh, ability score determination is a, is definitely a different episode. Yes. Um, so it might be the next episode that we, that we do, uh, uh, but it's definitely a different one. One of the other huge, huge things here is that races no longer have any penalty to ability scores. They've just done away with the idea of, um, a penalty. A penalty there are bonuses though. Yeah, there are bonuses. You have plus two to two different stats. Um, but that's it. And, because there's no upper bound on ability scores and you only get uh, ability score bonuses from leveling a certain number of times in your career, and there's also no magic items that grant you bonuses to ability scores, um, if you are even casually aware of optimizing, it is a hard road to start the game with anything less than an 18 in your attack stat. I don't recommend mm-hmm. it. Um, so you get you get a, a plus one to two different ability scores at fourth, eighth, eleventh, fourteenth, eighteenth, twenty first, twenty fourth, twenty eighth. Remember, fourth edition goes up to thirtieth level. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but that's you know one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight additions overall, right? Eight, eight, eight additive plus one bonuses. Yep. And so if you start, I mean, you know, we talked on a different episode about how sometimes, you know, these numbers are up in the, you know, the, the, the bonuses and whatnot are up in the 45, you know, they, you have to hit an AC of 45. Yep. Um, you need that extra eight across your 30 levels right. sometimes. Well, and also uh, at 11th level and 21st level is not to two scores, but to all scores. Oh, right. Because that's, that's where yes. you're hitting your tier shift. Right. Yeah. 
yeah, you go from heroic to paragon to epic. Yep. For sure. But still. But still. Um, <laughs> so, so that pressure to uh, push for the highest scores possible, um, uh, both at character creation and later, is uh, it, it is endemic, and it is sensible, but it's also something that, uh, as we shift into talking about fifth edition, is going to go out the window. Um, mm-hmm. Well, there's what there's one other thing that I want to mention about the numbers here, and that is. Um, when, when you go up in level in fourth edition, you add half your level to your roles. So, you know, your strength has an ability modifier based on your strength score, but then when you figure out your AC, Right? You add half your level. When you figure out your fortitude, you add half your level. When you figure out your attack bonus, you add half your level. Not just the modifier itself, but the modifier plus half your level. So if you're 10th level, you're adding an extra plus 5. And that's to skills and to attacks and to your defenses. So in some ways, you could say that that's like adding to your strength. Uh, sort of. Sort of. Except insofar as the DCs are, are, you know, scaling on their own, too. Of course. Right. And that's the reason for adding the half the level. If you were chasing a fixed <laughs> target, then sure. That, mm-hmm. that uh, let's say, sixth level orc thing... Uh, Fighting another sixth level orc three levels later is a much easier game, but you probably don't mm-hmm, do that for sure. Right. But I don't. You don't add. You don't add half a level to third edition, right? No. 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 Yeah. I mean, this is the only edition. That I mean, did you've that. got your base stack bonus. Right. right. This is replacing That's base stack bonus. It's the same thing. Yeah. 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 I forgot about BAB. Anyway, okay. What else do you have for fourth edition? So I think that pretty well <laughs> covers me on fourth. Um, like I talked about how um, yeah, the, the stats are sort of all over the place on uh, individual classes. Um, uh, with with each class, you've got your your primary attack stat. Uh, a few classes have two primary attack stats, and that's dangerous. Um, but then you've also got a secondary stat, and each class tends to have two secondary stats, aside from fighters who might have any ability to score a secondary stat, I think. Right. Um, I know they at least use uh, dex, con, and wisdom at various points. Uh, so that's determining uh, secondary parameters of your attack, uh, not so much damage, though sometimes it's applied to damage, but how many squares you push the guy or um, whatever, just all kinds of different things that that number mm-hmm. gets applied to. Um, and so uh, if your secondary stat isn't constitution, then you're always going to be deciding between more constitution for more hit points or 
more secondary effect. And that's an open debate, but probably you want more secondary effect in a lot of cases. Um, right. Well, I mean, fourth edition characters are so very hardy. So they have so many ways to get hit points back. That's true. Um, that constitution is sort of downplayed a little bit. I think w- once players learned that they are so, you know, the system is so balanced that you're talking about a case where in pretty much every battle you are expected to be maybe challenged, but you should overcome the challenge, uh, except in rare cases. That was kind of the idea, right? Yeah. Um, and so therefore you can have a me- relatively mediocre constitution score and still sur- have high survivability. Whereas, you know, in earlier editions, you couldn't have really high survivability even with a good constitution score. So if you had a really bad oh, constitution yeah. score, forget it, it's done. Uh, so I think that um, in part, yes, it's problematic, but in part, once I think people learned that it didn't matter if their constitution score was really low, or I mean, really yeah. low, I'm saying average, you know, 10, uh, 12, I, th- I think it was fine. Um, but I, I do agree with you that splitting the, you know, ba- basically the, the primary attribute for each class, you know, splitting those. Uh, and that brings tough. up a, a really good point that we haven't really discussed, which is the inflation of expectation. Um, what's regarded as mm-hmm. a good ability score has inflated enormously over the years. Um, you might not get a mm-hmm. bonus for having a, a 16 strength um, early on, but it's considered a really good strength. Uh, mm-hmm. And the bonus was really right. minimal in um, in first edition, but it's considered a really good strength. Uh, and then by the time you mm-hmm. get to third ed, it's okay. If, if that's your attack stat, it's okay. Um, yeah. But you're not going to be standout. You're not going to be standout, right? You, you you're going to have some. You're going to be playing catch up your whole career, and you're not going to catch up, right? Um, right. And as I was saying for fourth ed, um, I wouldn't walk into a a character at first level with less than an eighteen in their attack stat if I could help it, because right, it's going to be frustrating, and um. You're probably unless you have a table that really, really pushed against it, and the GM is consciously running uh, some easier encounters. Then, mm-hmm. it's, you know, probably the rest of the table is going to be hitting a lot more than you are uh, because the accuracy game in fourth is fierce. Uh, right, and so that's kind of my bridge for talking about fifth edition. Are we good? Can we move to fifth? Yep. Okay. Yep, absolutely. So um, ability scores in fifth are all part of the bounded accuracy environment that we've talked about before. Um, in general, with some notable exceptions that I'll, that I'll touch on, uh, your ability scores aren't going above 20 in fifth edition. Um, you still get ability score improvements from... Um, from leveling, uh, when you reach uh, fourth level, eighth level, twelfth level, sixteenth level, um, 
19th level. Uh, and then a couple of extra times for some specific classes. Uh, you gain an ability score increase, which you can alternately spend as a feat. Um, the the fact that the ability score is capped at 20 means that you have permission, in a sense, to go do something else and buy a feat um, because you've pushed your uh, attack stat as high as it can go. Or, honestly, uh, accuracy is so much less of a king in um, in 5th that an 18 is fine for your whole career as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I wouldn't feel too embarrassed to uh, play a character with a, a 16 or 17 attack stat for a, a good long while. It's going to be fine. Um, if your cleric knows about Bless, then you're set for life. Um, <laughs> bless is the bomb. Um, so, so right, that, that bounded accuracy makes a huge difference. Uh, and it's all, it, it all factors back to ability scores. Um, the meaning of ability scores has not substantially changed. Um, we're still in, in very much the same ballpark uh, for all of those, except that... Um, how DCs for spells are calculated has moved around a bit. And so um, ability scores are uh, one of the two things that really contribute to your spell DCs. And so that matters a mm-hmm. lot. Um, it doesn't scale with your spell level anymore. And, and that's fine. Um, you also don't get more spell slots for um, higher level spells. For, sorry, higher level, higher ability scores, and so the the pressure to chase the highest scores is is taken off there too. Um, but you get to prepare more spells, right? You do get to prepare more spells, and that's super nice. Um, if you're a spell prep class, so right, uh, cleric, druid, uh, wizard. Oh, yep, a charisma modifier plus half your paladin level rounded down. Um, so right. Um, so ability scores still matter for spellcasters. Don't don't let me give you the impression I'm saying they don't matter. They're just um, an 18 is r- real good. There's nothing wrong with a 16 for a good bit of your career. It's going to be okay. Um, combat balance just is not finicky in the same way. It's it's got its finicky parts, and mm-hmm. I guess you can play really close to the line, but that's much harder um, mark to hit uh, to to have an encounter that's really close to the line in a way that ability scores turn it from um, uh, a loss to a victory. So I don't know. I, I just find it to be much less pressure, and I love that. Um, magic items that uh, increase your ability scores as I said before, uh, went away in uh, fourth and they haven't come back except they have. Now it sets your ability score to a number. The number Mm -hmm. is 19 aside from the strength ones that go into the twenties for reasons. Um, Those items make me unreasonably angry. And so I house rule them, but that's another matter. But they're also not common. I mean, 
Right. And they're not like plus one swords laying around, right? Like the, uh, the proverbial, not, you know. I mean, I think they're all technically rares. Sure. Um, but what kills me about that is just that um, the person who's going to get the most benefit is the person who cares least. Because, right. like, oh, I went, uh, like, my, my class doesn't care about this stat, so I put an eight in it. Mm-hmm. Well, I can get. 11 points in this stat by putting on this item. Of course, it still doesn't help me because I I still don't need strength. But like, if your stat was already, let's say, uh, a 17, and this item gives you two points of strength, eh, Mm -hmm. okay. Um, But uh, tomes that improve your ability scores are are back, and they do increase your stat cap. Um, There's also the barbarian feature that gives you four points of strength and four points of con and increases your caps to 24 and 24. Yeah. Right. right. So that's, that's incredibly good. Um, but it fascinates me that features like that are as rare as they are, that, that they didn't um, give a feature like primal champion to, um, to wizards. For intelligence, for example. I mean, I I feel like they. I, I don't disagree with it. I just find it yeah, fascinating. They, I I feel like that was a conscious decision. I I don't accuse them of you know stumbling into it. No, no, no. Means. I mean, but I mean, because you know, okay, now it's been five years, so they've yeah. had plenty of opportunity to oh yeah to do that, and they have consistently not done such a thing and i think that i think it's smart on their part and i think that that's a conscious decision because bounded accuracy would be greatly affected if every class had some ability to do that you're just shifting Uh, you're shifting everything northward i mean it's it's 20th level right right it, yeah, yeah, it matters. But, it only sort of matters. Uh, but 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 it's a slippery slope, right? So, so it it, is. It, yeah. if you st- if you start allowing every class to have that at twentieth level, well, now now maybe now maybe in this one supplement we're going to write something where this this class gets it at sixteenth level, and and then yeah. oh this one gets it at twelfth level. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, for sure. It's just one of those things, right? Like it's if you open that door, now the door is open. And there is no closing that door. And that's absolutely true. And uh, I think you're sort of pointing to uh, how um, Watsi does set these norms that uh, third-party content is really expected to adhere to, even though they are sort of all derived from the text rather than made explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Like, there isn't anything saying you can't write a feature that grants plus four to intelligence at you know mm-hmm. whatever level for a, a, sure. a, a subclass, you right. just shouldn't. How do you know you right. shouldn't? Well, they didn't. Well, does that make sense? Eh, kind of. But uh, what it means yeah. is that it's hard for third-party publishers to uh, introduce broadly new ideas. Uh, they have to be sort of narrowly new, if you see what I mean. Um, otherwise, Watson I mean, is sort of building the tools, and we're yeah. taking them and you know trying to make something right. new out of them. You know, I, I think you know, I think basically you, this is a topic for a different episode again. <laughs> yeah, you know, because because I think I, we have a lot to say about that, and there's 
we could say things about that through the editions. And I, and I think uh, just to sort of round this up, I think part of the reason that that, that is a phenomenon is, is because of the reduced release schedule that um, I think they, they did a play test and they re- reduced their sheer amount of released information and sheer amount of released rules and supplements. And that makes the ones that are released that much more impactful. And people look at those as the guidelines for the game. And even, you know, DMs and, and, and designers and writers who are creating things to post, say on the GM DMs guild, um, you know, they're, they're posting them on there for general consumption. And so if they go too far out and they break those rules, uh, that particular item is probably going to get a really bad rating or no one will look at it because it's too far out. It's too far pushing the boundaries of what the standards that have been set are. And you're right. It does constrain how third-party designers can actually interact with the framework and add things to it and stretch things a little bit. But I'm, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think in some cases it is, but probably in 99% of cases it's not. That's fair. So, yeah. I do, I do also want to point out another formatting thing uh, with fifth edition. They, uh, right once again, right in the beginning. You know, uh, typically in D and D, the very first few pages, it starts talking about how to create your character, and that fifth edition is no different. You know, page twelve of the player's handbook, um, it talks about ability score. It has this little table that's an ability score summary, and it tells you the following. It tells you the name of the ability score with a color line to separate it from the other ones. It tells you what it measures. For example, strength measures natural athleticism and bodily power. Then it has a line that says it's important for, and then it says barbarian, fighter, paladin. Then it tells you which races have an increase, a natural increase, in other words, a racial bonus, in that ability score. Mountain dwarfs plus two, dragonborns plus two, half orcs plus two, humans plus one. Dexterity measures physical agility, reflexes, balance, poise, important for monk, ranger, rogue, racial increases, etc. Constitution, health, stamina, vital force. You get the idea. Yep. It's a it's a half page, and it tells you everything you need to know about those abilities. And then right on the next facing page is the table that tells you the modifier that you get if your attribute is within a certain yep. range. And then all of that is going to get uh, repeated. It, the, the table is uh, straight copied in chapter seven. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Cause that's your, that, you know, that, that page 12 is your introduction, but it gives you the quick and dirty. Here's, here's what you need to know yep. about that. So it's, it's a nice formatting thing. Uh, I bring that up because uh, I really, I know some people really did not like, uh, the layout and format of fourth edition. I did. Um, I liked the large font. <laughs> um, and p- that's part of what I liked. Uh, fifth edition went back to really tiny writing, just like third edition, but their format is so much easier to read. Third edition had that, that uh, famous uh, looks like a book page 
in the background of all of their official releases, uh, or at least most of their official releases. And that thing drove me batshit crazy. I just had such a hard time. Uh, it's, it was just too, uh, it was hard to read for me. And, uh, and fifth edition is much better about that. But in particular, when it comes to information like your ability scores and what's it about, it's really nice to see a very clean presentation. Fourth edition had a clean presentation. Fifth edition has a clean presentation. Third edition, the tables were good. The text, not as much. So, so uh, do you have any last thoughts? <laughs> um, no, no. I think I, uh, I think I've really said what I came to say uh, about ability scores here. I do hope that we can make uh, an ability score generation episode happen sooner or later mm -hmm. uh, because I mean if Gygax is going to uh, write a whole section of the f first ed DMG with a, explaining bell curves then I think we owe it to him <laughs> right yeah yeah uh, yeah that's going to bring up uh, the math of say advantage and disadvantage and all of that stuff. Any, anything where we have to now start drawing curves <laughs> and lines. All right. Um. Uh, so, so yeah, I think I am good. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, where can everybody find you on the internet? Well, I write for tribality.com. I also blog at brandisstoddard.com and I have a uh, Patreon now. Excellent. So that's me. That's me. Yeah. It's anyway, the, the Patreon is Brandis Stoddard. So yeah. Patreon.com slash Brandis Stoddard. Yeah. I'll link, I'll link it in the show notes so people can go to it if they want to see it. Uh, I'm Sam Dillon. I am at DM Samuel and you can also find me at RPGmusings.com. I also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash RPGmusings. And I uh, have a show that I host where I run a game. It is called D&D Brief. You can find that on the Don't Split the Podcast Network. Uh, and other than that, thank you for listening and we hope you're enjoying this show and our, our old man takes <laughs> on some of the uh, editions of our favorite games. 